You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. This is appropriately timed. I've, I've entitled this message today, Rediscovering Joy. Rediscovering Joy. And uh, first, let me just say that it continues to be a joy for me to uh, be uh, down at the BC Legislature and uh, just so many good things that are taking place down there. The spring session is about two-thirds the way over, three-quarters the way over, and Good God stories continuing to emerge. I can't really say too much, but I will tell you one story. I was uh, visiting a member in his office, and um, powerful words just to ask somebody, you know. So at the end of our visit, we had a nice little maybe half an hour visit, and rather, you know, I said, hey, would we be able to pray together? And uh, he's like, oh, sure, we can do that. And rather than just me going into a prayer, I just simply asked him this question. I just said, so-and-so. I said, um, that wasn't his name. I said, how, um, how can I pray for you? How can I be praying for you right now? And, all, and he was taken back a little bit, and then the tears just started to flow down his cheeks. And it was like the Holy Spirit just came in like a flood in that moment. Um, I was with another staffer, and he, uh, we were just chit-chatting and just having a casual conversation. And at the end of the conversation, I just said a little bit more formally, I said, would it be okay if I was just to bless you right now? And he kind of looked at me and, then, and he kind of stood up straight and I just spoke a blessing over his life and uh, he was just deeply impacted by that. And so the Lord comes and meets uh, people in so many different ways, so many opportunities. Um, I read something the other day. Yeah, you notice you read something in scripture, you're reading an article or whatever it is, and something just leaps off the page at you. Well, I was reading, it was just a statement, I, I, I think it was on social media, and something leapt off the page at me in regards to the early church, or in this uh, particular phrase, they call it the primitive, but it said this. It said the primitive or the early Christian faith that turned the Roman world upside down was a faith characterized by what? By an almost absurd joy. An almost absurd joy. It went on to say, though there are certainly injustices to decry in the name of Jesus, a gospel of constant decrying is no gospel at all. Friends, we have good news. We have good news. And this, this early church, they were a people that had infectious faith. They had an abundance of joy. They were, it was, their faith was attractional. People were being saved. Lives were being transformed. They were full of life, full of hope, full of joy. And they had a commitment to the well-being of one another. They were committed to that. Last night... Christine and I were making our way through. We've seen the whole series. Maybe you have too, The Chosen. How many people here at home, you've watched that series, The Chosen? And it was, uh, it was season one, episode two, when Nicodemus was uh, seeking out Mary, and he found her uh, in the market, I believe, 
And uh, he was, because she had experienced, he had seen the transformation that had gone on in her life. And he, and, and he was trying to, because he had prayed for her and, and nothing really went on, but he thought what he had done made a change. And, and, but this was the line, and it was kind of the famous line of that whole first series. And he said, well, she kind of came to this place of saying, well, I don't understand myself talking about this amazing transformation that took place in her life. She goes, I don't understand it myself, but here is what I can tell you. I was one way, and now I'm completely different, and the thing that happened in between was him. And the thing that happened in between was him. John Newton, uh, the famous uh, hymn writer, I, was, uh, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see this, incre this incredible transformation. And I know that this past year has had many challenges, but it seems to me, it's an observation, that there has been with us a loss of joy within our midst over this past year. And I just want to say, I want to say over us here who are gathered here today, I want to say to you who are watching at home, um, I think it's time for us to get our joy back. I feel like this is a season for the rediscovery of joy in our lives. And, and I just think that this is what's going to take place. You know, Galatians chapter 5 speaks of the nine fruit of the Spirit. And um, uh, it starts with love, and then joy is second. And I've been, I was thinking about these nine fruits, about what's been going on in our culture, in our society, within our, within our Christian circles, and, and within my own life, what's been going on? And I was thinking, you know, I've seen lots of love demonstrated. I'm going to skip a couple. I've seen patience. I've seen incredible acts of kindness take place over this past year. Faithfulness. At the start of the pandemic, I know that our ministry, and I think that the ministry of this church and many churches are wondering, how is this going to work financially for us? You know how it's worked for almost every church that I've spoken with? Wonderful, because the people of God have been incredibly faithful. And so there's been incredible faithfulness. I've seen gentleness. Um, you know, self-control. Well, remember when, when all things hit and then there was all that uh, bread baking that went on? And so, well, maybe there wasn't as much self-control in that moment. But, um, but what I was thinking was, I was, I was thinking back to, but where there's maybe been a deficit has been in joy, and I think peace as well. But for many of us, I believe that it's time for us to change the channel, to discover and to rediscover that which has brought us life, what has captured our heart, what has transformed our life, the good news that fundamentally shifted the trajectory of our lives. And with that comes great joy. I had the opportunity uh, in the last couple of days, the legislature wasn't sitting this week, and so I went up to Karameas. My dad has not been well, and so he's been battling a very severe case of shingles, and uh, my stepmom, of um, my, my parents were divorced, and my dad's been remarried for almost 40 years, and so we have a very close relationship, and I was up just to provide some respite care for Karen, and, and just to be with my dad, and, and to connect with him, and we kind of got sharing stories. 
And uh, he kind of informed me of a couple, you know, some stories that I knew, and I've shared them here before, my dad's conversion experience where uh, he really was. He was lost, and then he was found. He, I, I've shared this story before, but it's so good that you know, he came home, and, and God is working in the, our family's life, and, and he came home. He was drinking a lot, and, and he turned on the television set, and of course, late night gospel TV was on. I think it was a 700 Club or the PTL Club. And they just said, just stretch out your hands. And he, you know, he was drunk, but he kind of got on his knees and crawled over to the TV and put his hands on the TV and prayed and then crawled back to the couch and passed out on the couch. And he said, before my feet hit the floor in the morning, I knew that my life had changed. God brought transformation in his life. Has his life been perfect? Of course not. Whose life is? But he's loved Jesus all of his life since that time. Then he shared this other story. It's this transformation story of God just touching him in different ways. He said, I can remember once my dad had a shoulder that would pop out on him. Uh, it would, um, and so he would like dive into a swimming pool and his shoulder would come out of its socket or he would turn around too fast, his shoulder would pop out. And so uh, it was, and, and each time that it popped out, it, it seemed like it was more difficult to get back in. It was looser and more difficult to get back in. Anyway, he, would, uh, he was at this clinic, the sports clinic, and um, his shoulder had popped out. And if anybody's ever had their shoulder pop out, you know it. There's excruciating pain involved with it. It was very, very painful. And they're, so they're giving him drugs, and they're, you know, and they're reefing on this shoulder, trying to get it back in. And this is going on, and he's groaning and moaning, and all of a sudden he just says, stop! Just back off! <laughs> just get away from me! Back off! The room goes quiet, and he says, Jesus, you know that these people can't do this. <laughs> That's what he said. They can't do it, but Lord, you can do it. And it all went quiet, and then after a few seconds, everyone in the room heard pop, and his shoulder just went right back in. After that, my dad went back for shoulder therapy, and every time he said he walked into the clinic, you know what they called him? They called him the miracle man. <laughs> they said, look, see that guy who came in? That's the guy that we were telling you about. That's the guy that backed us all off and then prayed, and his shoulder popped back in. He's the miracle man. Well, he wasn't the miracle man, <laughs> but we knew who was. And, and, and I got thinking just, you know, how God impacts people's lives and how he transforms lives. What is your story? How has God worked in your life? Where has he brought transformation? Where, is he, where, where were you once lost and now you're found? Where were you blind and now you see? And with that, infectious joy, appreciation, love of Jesus comes back in. I believe that's the season that we need to that we need to move toward after the season that we've been in. You know, for me, when I was 17 years old, God just met me in a, in a good way. You know, I've shared this story many times, kind of, you know, 13 years old, 12 or 13 years old, the, kind of the, the infancy, the discovery of faith. So all through my teenage years, wouldn't take the Lord's name in vain, wouldn't dance to ACDC at the Saw Cops. It's like Hell's Bells came on. I'm like, no, I'm going into the bleachers. I'm not dancing to that song, okay? I don't dance to Hell's Bells. And I don't take the Lord's name in vain. I did everything else. But then finally, when I was 17, it was like God met me and there was transformation. And I just wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. And I did. And it kind of got me in trouble, but it was kind of good. And so 
transformation. I see that in our sons, that how they have taken off the cloak of their parents' faith and have put on their own, and they're they discovering their own faith and walking in joy. We're seeing that. It's good. What's the good news in your life? What is there to celebrate? God is good. I think that we need a shift in perspective. What have we been dwelling on? Or even how have we been dwelling? I know there's been a lot of talk lately about end times, and that's good. It's good to talk about these things. It's good for these things to be highlighted. But I, I, I wonder, I read this, and I thought, I, this, it's just a different perspective. It's, are, are we centered on preparing for Christ? How about we become centered on preparing for Christ rather than antichrist, centered on the mark of the lamb rather than the mark of the beast, centered on preparing for redeeming the earth instead of escaping from the earth. How about we become dispensers of hope rather than fear? When the angel came back then, we read these scriptures, either the Sunday before Christmas or on the December the 24th. We always read this angelic proclamation of when Jesus came. The angel, what did the angel say? Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. That's what happens when the Lord comes. And then a couple of chapters later, probably, if not my favorite verse in the Bible, one of my very favorite verses of the Bible, Luke 4 and 22, speaking of Jesus, so like all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. I feel like it's time for gracious words to be on our lips, for words of life to be on our lips. It's time to proclaim good news that results in what? Good news results in lives transformed and great joy because the gospel is presented. And the byproduct of that is great joy. In the New Testament, the early church, absurd joy. And I believe that it's time for some absurd joy. <laughs> Let's get some absurd joy back. Um, so there is thieving that goes on. There's what I would phrase the thieving of joy that can take place, that which robs us of joy. John 10.10, 10, familiar scripture to many of us. What does the thief do? The thief comes only to steal, to kill and destroy. But Jesus says, but, I love that, a holy but, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. A modern translation says this, the thief only has one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. That's what I'm looking for. Abundant joy, overflowing, life, joy, peace. You can rattle off the fruit of the Spirit. So what are joy killers? Well, uh, fear is. Uh, fear about things, fear about chil our, our, our children, fear about maybe a relationship that we're in that's going sideways. Maybe we're fearing about our job. We've heard this, you know, the majority of things that we worry about never happen. I looked it up and the actual stat, are you ready? 91.39%. I don't know who did that study, but I'll, you know. But I read it on the internet, so it must be true. 91.39% of things we worry or fear about never happen. And studies have revealed that people who worry a lot are generally less effective than those who don't. They get less work done and they are less joyful. 
I read this the other day. I liked it. It says, we cannot live in this moment that God has given us if we are fearing the unknowns that might lurk around every corner. We've capitulated ourselves into an imaginary tomorrow over which we have no control, and in so doing, we miss out on the beauty and wisdom and moments of right now. We're so caught up in something that isn't even going to happen that we lose the beauty and the joy in the moment that we have. What joyful moments does the Lord want to bring to you, to your family, in your workplace, in your life right now? Don't be robbed through fear. Proverbs 31, well-known scriptures, um, verse 25, talking about this woman who is clothed with strength and dignity. And what can she do? She can laugh at the days to come. She can laugh at the days to come. See, one of the great outcomes of being a follower of Jesus is that you do not need to be fearful of tomorrow, even if you do not know what tomorrow's going to bring. You don't need to be fearful about it, even though you don't know it's coming. Why? Because he's there going before you. And we put our trust in him and our faith in him. So fear is a robber. Discouragement. You know, discouragement shows up when we are weak and vulnerable. Uh, We've all experienced that. How many people here, just hands up, how many people here have never experienced discouragement before? There's only 40 people in the room, so 40 or less than 50 Um, Anybody, just hands up, I'm looking, I do not see that hand. As my friend would say, the buses will wait, Um, I'm looking for that hand. (laughs) That was a joke, but okay. Uh, (laughs) Nobody, of course, we've all experienced discouragement, but here's the thing, and here's the phrase that I read and I thought, yes, that's what it is. Discouragement, if left unchecked. Discouragement, if left unchecked, will steal our joy, and hinder our ability to labor well in the places that God has called us us to serve. It's hard to walk in your calling if there's discouragement all over you. And so I, I just actually, on this point, I just wanted to pray. If you're watching at home or if you're here and you've said, you know what, I just have to be honest. There has been a lot of discouragement that I have been battling right now. And so I just want to take a moment to pray. Uh, you can assume the position. If you want to hold out your hand at home, you can. You just say, yeah, that's kind of me. And so I just want to pray. Spirit of the living God, correct our thinking and help each one of us to be strong and courageous in our thought life. Let fear and discouragement be far from us. Lord, instead, fuel our thoughts with faith in the name of Jesus, who reigns supremely. We say no to discouragement and yes to your courage in Jesus' name. Amen. A comparison, uh, you know, a president of the United States said that comparison is the thief of joy um, I was walking with a, um, one of the staffers at the legislature and um, former um, police officer who uh, had cancer, fought through, fought very valiantly, and passed away uh, um, about six, uh, six months or so ago. And, um, but uh, his, uh, within the Christian community here, and, and um, his, uh, his wife is on Facebook, and, uh, and she's... Uh, She said this. It was just short. She just posted the other day, so it's out on social media. And she said, um, she says, as I remember, this is what she wrote, as I remember our wedding 30 years ago today, 
So they're married for about 29 and a half years. As I remember our wedding 30 years ago today, I am nothing but grateful for the beautiful life we had together. And it is that memory that I will keep at the forefront of my mind today and not, why couldn't we have made it to 30 or 40 or 50 years like others do? No comparison is the thief of joy. See, what she did was she flipped that into gratitude, and then she ended with this. What we had was ours, and it was amazing. Ever heard of social comparison theory? It states that individuals determine their own social and personal worth based on how they stack up against others. I think it's actually called Facebook is the short name for it. <laughs> oh, look, here's everybody's perfect life, and my life sucks. One of the other things that could rob us uh, of our joy, that can thieve us, uh, can, uh, um, that can uh, rob us, is a thief of joy, is self-disqualification. Well, I got the wrong personality. I'm actually just, you know, I'm just not a very joyful person. I'm more of a serious person. So in, in, in fact, what a person is then saying by that is like, one of the fruits of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit gives out, I'm just going to say, that one doesn't count for me. So joy is just not going to be a part of who I am. And sometimes we conveniently self-disqualify ourselves when it comes to joy. I'm just going to not be joyful about this circumstance or situation in my life. I'm just not going to choose it. I, in fact, I'm going to be anti-joy. You ever got in that place before? We, we disqualify ourselves from that. And last one here, and that is just dwelling on, on what is wrong. You want to rob yourself of joy? Just dwell on what's wrong. My marriage is wrong. The church, something's going on in the church is wrong. Oh, how many times in the last year we heard the government is wrong. Joy killers. Uh, you know, here's a joy killer statement. It's just an observation, okay? Okay? Just my observation. But any time that I hear somebody say this phrase, I know the joy killer is coming. You know what the phrase is? Yeah, but at Costco, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah, but at Costco... Now, when I say that, not for a moment, <laughs> it's true, not for a moment um, have, have I not been or have you not been frustrated at the inconsistencies of this past year, but my question is this, have you allowed them to take you out? Are they sucking and killing your joy? Really? Um, you know, has your frustration, because, you know, the, the byproduct of frustration, what it leads to is resentment. And I think it was Bruce who's here today. Uh, maybe he was the first person I ever heard him say it. It's like resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. <laughs> and that's what happens. And so we get frustrated. We get resentful. We look at the inconsistencies. And then what ends up happening? We're the ones who are drinking the poison. I just want to say, can we stop drinking poison? Can we start drinking some other things instead? Can we move into a season where we just stop drinking the poison? Let's, let's just move away from it. Let's find the joy. Uh, 
I'm very uh, thankful that joy, you know, there's many things in life that can bring us joy. Uh, grandchildren, uh, that's something that Christine and I are really <laughs> belie believing for <laughs> in the years ahead. We're ready. Anyway. Grandchildren. I better get going here. Grandchildren bring great joy. Marriage brings great joy. We, we, there's books, The Joy of Cooking, another book, The Joy of Sex. Uh, just the, the, a person who is healthy, that they are so uh, happy uh, and joyful that they have their health. Uh, maybe, maybe you find great joy in hiking. For me, it's been cycling lately. It's been wonderful. And all those are really great things. They're all, the, the great joy can come from all of those things. But I have to say, they are all secondary to this other type of joy that's described in the scripture as the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. And it's so good that none of these things that I just mentioned are prerequisites to having the joy of the Lord. And so uh, I was recently, in the last uh, couple of years, I, I visited a lady in the hospital who had been very ill for a long time. In fact, she was just on the verge of going home. And I walked into this Burnaby hospital, and there was this woman, and I have never seen a person, and she was ill. We walked in, and she was worshiping. We put on this Bethel music, and she was just uh, worshiping. She, had, she was radiant. She was radiant. We prayed for her. She's worshiping. Uh, just this glow on her face. I prayed, you know, spent some time with her, prayed for her, uh, you know, went, left the hospital, went home. She was gone in 24 hours. She was gone. Her health was so poor. Her joy of the Lord was so great. The wonderful thing about the joy of the Lord is not, there's no prerequisites for it. Uh, do you know that that scripture, the joy of the Lord is my strength, is only actually mentioned in one place in, in the Bible? Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. And so let me just read a couple of verses before. Um, then Nehemiah, we're in Nehemiah chapter 8. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites, who are instructing the people, said to them, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For the, all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Verse 10, Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and give to some of others who uh, food and drink, to those who have nothing prepared. This is the, a day of the Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I looked, there was a phrase in there that jumped out. So the joy of the Lord is our strength, but there was another phrase that jumped out. And, and it was this in verse 10. He instructs them, he says, send or give choice foods and sweet drinks to those who have nothing prepared. And I thought to myself, you know what? There are some of us who have prepared, who have right now choice drink who have sweet, uh, choice foods and sweet drinks. There, but there are members of our church family. There are members perhaps within your own family. There are people that you are working with, that there are colleagues, that there are those in our society who need some of what you have. 
and that I think that it's our responsibility to take the sweet drinks and the good food that we have in the spirit realm and to begin to distribute those right now who are what I would describe as joy anemic. Joy anemic. And I believe that we have the opportunity. I believe that's what this whole year has been, to be honest. The church activated to take those who are fearful, who are struggling, who are not well, and, being, and bringing the gospel, bringing the good news. Let me just, um, I'm going to close up with this. I'm going to skip a, ahead a little bit because um, uh, Stephen Wendy Backland, um, you know, he, he said this, and they're, they're from Bethel Church. He said, my definition of joy is the childlike wonder and excitement of working with God instead of working for God. I used to not value joy because I did not believe that it was important, nor did I believe I had the right personality for it. We talked about that earlier. And then in a turn of phrase, in a wonderful turn of phrase, he says, but I have become serious about having joy. You know, Romans 14 and 7, the kingdom of God is what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. My question is, what truth, what promise have you read? What has God been whispering to you? What are those things that you need to capture and recapture in your life and say, yes, these are the things that God has been saying to me. These are the things that he's declared over our family and life and home. I, I think we can choose joy now. You see, I believe that when we choose joy, we'll start to see hope spread faster than any virus ever could. The spreading of hope versus the spreading of despair. The spreading of anticipation versus despondency. Confidence versus distrust. <laughs> Jacob, president. Hey, Jacob, our missionary. He doesn't have confidence on his arm. What does he have? He has a tattoo that says, Godfidence, written down his arm. Godfidence on his arm. So my question to you is this. What I would say is that perhaps some of us, uh, maybe we need to enter into a negativity fast. I think some need to enter into a COVID fast. Just, just get rid of, just stop, you know, and when I say that, I'm not, you know, don't bury your head in the sand. What I'm saying is, just don't focus on it. We're into a, a place of life and joy and hope. I just believe that season for us. But here's the question that I want to leave for you to ponder. You know, on, on the surface, it's a very easy question to answer, but I think it's one for us to ponder. I think it's a serious one, and that is this. Is the good news more powerful than the news of the day? Is the good news that we carry the hope that we carry, the life that we carry, and the joy that we carry, is it better news than the news of the day? Something for you to ponder. Uh, Caleb, open the service uh, with this, and I'm going to close with it. Uh, Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Yes, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy, with joy. Father, I thank you that in you that we can have joy and life and hope. And so I just speak that and declare that over each one watching uh, on the internet right now, over each one who's in this room, and we thank you that you have good fruit for us. And in the season ahead, we embrace your life, your hope, and your joy in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Life Tree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Life Tree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.